You're listening to Lozano Smith's podcast, where we discuss important changes in the law and legal decisions that affect public agencies. Hello, I'm Josh Whiteside, and today's episode is about a very timely topic, managing school board meetings in the face of disruption created by parents, employees, and members of the public. Uh, today, to talk about this topic are Lozana Smith partners, Roman Munoz and Chelsea Olson-Murphy. Uh, and actually, they're not with me here right now, but they, um, they recently provided an excellent training on the topic, which we liked so much, we asked if we could record them. Uh, they thankfully said yes, and so I invite you as our podcast listener to stay tuned as we play the recording of that training, and I'll meet you after the presentation with some final thoughts. All right, good afternoon, everyone. Today, we're gonna to be presenting on how to lead your board meetings away from criticism and chaos to decorum and order. I am Roman Munoz, and I'd like to uh, extend my heartfelt appreciation for Chelsea Olson Murphy making herself available today uh, to present with me on this topic. I think what you're gonna find is that hey, this is a very timely topic as uh, unfortunately, there's a lot of media attention around board meetings, probably for a lot of the wrong reasons. Um, this is an interesting time. Chelsea and I have been been talking about this and, and maybe the, the best title to this presentation is you've been sworn in, uh, now you're getting sworn at. So Chelsea, uh, thank you again for, for uh, joining in and, and uh, presenting today. Yeah, no, I appreciate you having me here and hopefully we can have a pretty good discussion on this topic. Now, uh, there's always a lot of uh, discussion about school board meetings and a lot of people would probably analogize it to, you know, almost going to a, a very big conflict, uh, not to minimize sort of battles or anything like that, but uh, that's that's sort of been a, a situation lately, right, Chelsea? Yeah, you know, it certainly has. I think, you know, one of the main topics that we hear from our clients is, you know, how do we maintain order so we can get our district business done? So today we're going to be talking about uh, a, a number of items, but just to set the agenda forward today, it's going to be, uh, we're going to discuss the current landscape. Chelsea will be discussing that. I'll be talking about proactive steps, uh, best practices, and progression of response. So for those of you that are here in person, I am going to share my screen so that we can um, view the presentation. But for those of you who are just in our listening audience, we will try and cover all of the topics out loud so you don't need to see the screen. So this was an example of, uh, for the listening audience, we're looking at a, a somewhat dated cartoon, Hagger the Horrible, uh, where he's walking in, I'm home from battle, and I believe it's his spouse that's also got a couple of uh, arrows and uh, injuries, and she's saying she's home from a school board meeting. This has often kind of been sort of the, the, the sense of the difficulties that uh, school boards have been facing, you know, definitely starting into and going into the pandemic and, and also going into to this year, which is going to be a, a midterm general election year. So uh, that I think that's something that they can anticipate, right, Chelsea? Yeah, I think it definitely is. And as you if you stay tuned, you'll hear about some actual physical violence. So uh, this uh, cartoon may be portraying reality just a little bit too close to home. So why don't we get started on uh, our first topic, uh, the current landscape, Chelsea? All right, so 
What is our current landscape? You know, as we all know, we're really living in a time of deep division and uncertainty. You know, we talk to school board members and school administrators who've really been in this business for a long time. And they talk about this extreme divisiveness as something they've never really seen before. We're seeing many of these divisions and disagreements really play out in our school districts and especially in our school board meetings. So I think this makes it even more challenging than ever to serve as a school board member. So our real goals of today's discussion is to come up with some ideas for the tools to put into your toolbox rather than offer a you know, prescription. There's really no one size fits all approach to handling these issues. And you know, how you respond will really be a district-based decision and different districts will take different approaches. So we really hope to help you think through these issues so you can both proactively plan ahead and handle the issues as they arise. So back to the current landscape, where have we been seeing the most disagreements? Um, a lot of these issues have really been pandemic related and they're based on beliefs on both sides, you know, related to things like whether there should be mandatory vaccines, um, whether COVID testing should be done at schools and whether masks should be required to be worn at schools. Although since you know we've had the mask mandate lift, I think that that has quieted down a little bit. Have you seen that? Yeah, I've seen a, somewhat of a decline regarding the uh, the face coverings. I, I do think that you know we're on the precipice of uh, a concern about well, what about these mandatory vaccinations that had been uh, discussed back in October, right? Uh, yeah, you know, then, I think we're really anticipating. You know, what is going to happen because we haven't seen a vaccination order. So I know a lot of our school boards are really waiting to see how that plays out. But, you know, it's not really just pandemic related, you know, there's other issues that are really drawing some divisiveness at these meetings, you know, from the ethnic studies curriculum, you know, we've got some discussions of critical race theory. I've had some boards dealing with issues related to flag displays. And, you know, recently that transgender athletes um, participating have become an issue as well. People feel really strongly about these issues. And ironically, the pandemic, I think, has actually increased access to school board meetings because now many of our school boards are really offering a virtual option. And increased participation and access is, you know, obviously a great thing. And we want to make sure that people are able to have their voices heard in a manner that's safe for all the participants. But we also really want to allow the board to be able to conduct their regular business and get all of that done. So I think we're really managing all of those things together. So, you know, what are the problematic behaviors that we're seeing in board meetings? Just some of the ones that I've seen is people going over their time limits and public comment. They're refusing to yield the podium. We've seen a lot of racist and vulgar comments. You know, sometimes we're even seeing threats, you know, threats to school board members, threats to administrators and others, you know, if a speaker doesn't get what he or she is demanding in that moment. Some of the biggest issues have been related to interruptions, people just interrupting the meetings really loudly, yelling, cheering, jeering, catcalls. Really, those things have made it difficult, you know, if not impossible for the meetings to continue. So we wanted to show you or play for you some audio to show you that this isn't just happening here in California. So these clips have to do with, um, they're clips that have been taken across the country from Michigan to Nevada to Idaho and Virginia. So we're going to get that started here. We've gotten a glimpse of too many school board meeting rooms recently, whether it's a race and diversity discussion in Michigan. 
or masking debates setting school board meetings on fire all over the nation. Somehow, these meetings have become windows into the soul of our nation. And here locally, we all know things did not go well at the September 27th East Carver County School Board meeting. Adults grabbing each other, prompting a letter from the district saying, quote, as a result of safety. Okay, I'll, I'll stop it there given our uh, time restraints. But as you can see, these really are happening all over the country. But not all states have, you know, public access laws that are quite as stringent as the Brown Act like we have in California. So there are parameters that we can place on these meetings. Um, Roman, maybe you can walk us through some of the steps that districts can take when they're planning for a meeting that's likely to be controversial. Yeah, so what we like to talk about are, are, is being proactive, right? And what kind of proactive steps that we can take in order to prepare. And going through these steps, I. I do think an important component of it or, or a theme, if you will, will be that this goes a lot smoother um, and districts can be a lot more prepared with good governance team, with a, with a, a good relationship um, between the superintendent, administrative staff and the school board and school board members amongst themselves. We understand, hey, not everybody's going to agree upon all these topics, but I think what's really important is that you have a professional relationship and you understand the bigger picture or, or you appreciate the bigger picture. So let's start with the governance team. I do think the proactive steps with the governance team is to always remember, hey, that you need to get board business done, right? No matter what occurs in a board meeting, you have to identify the mission of the district and how you can move forward for students. You gotta observe the rights and lawful activity of the community and you also want to make sure that people that are attending school board meetings, that they're kept safe. Uh, a common theme or a common statement that you'll always hear at every presentation regarding the Brown Act or, or governance, hopefully is this is the board's meeting in public and not the public's meeting. Um, and that concept applies equally as well when we're dealing with maintaining decorum at, at, at meetings. Let's start looking at our mission and values also. I really do believe that the board, the board's behavior sets the tone. You know, Chelsea mentioned these are difficult times, challenging issues. Uh, kind of always reminds me a lot of like about labor negotiations, right? Very difficult subjects, difficult conversations to, to have. But what you can draw from sort of the, the labor negotiations realm there or, or atmosphere is that concept of being hard on the issues and soft on the people, right? We can have that debate. We can have those discussions but let's respect each other um, and let's be professional. So here are a couple uh, thoughts on proactive steps, setting the stage. As Chelsea mentioned, hey, you know, these are suggestions not necessarily meant for every school board. You know, I often say, and Chelsea, you know, what I often say is that it's like skinny jeans, right? Everybody has them, but not everybody should be wearing them, right? You got um, it in. Yeah, there you go, right? Never give up on the skinny jeans joke. But um, yeah, setting the stage. Um, there are a number of factors or a number of considerations to be, to be taken into to, to consideration here. One, review the board uh, expectations with board members and the public. I think communicating upfront about what's on the agenda, how long people will be allowed to speak, 
when they'll have the opportunity for public comment, so important. I do think enforcing time limits during public comment, I'll say for myself, you know, in some board meetings that uh, I've attended where the crowd has sort of become disruptive, it was because public comments or public comment on specific items were not necessarily followed. Um, people were allowed to continue on, go over the, the board's sort of spe uh, specified time limits for speakers and speakers on, a, on an item. So be prepared to enforce those and follow those. I do think it, it de definitely does help. Having scripts and an understanding amongst board members as to what will occur in any sort of situation. You know, for example, what's the expect expectation for the board or the board president if someone goes over a time uh, limit for speaking? What happens if we have a, a large number of speakers on a, on a specific item? What is the expectation of the board president on how to deal with that and, and how to address it? And we're gonna be talking about other items as far as uh, preparation, including notifying law enforcement, having security arranged, and how to coordinate with administration. Um, so messaging and, and communication, as I mentioned, is, is very important. I truly believe that an important component of it, and I'll, I'll keep on saying this throughout throughout this presentation is that for board members to be unified, like I mentioned, you can disagree on policy, but what you want to do is be united in professionalism and promoting civil that civil order and modeling that for the community. I think it's very important for board members to treat each other respectfully, refer to each other as trustee Olson Murphy or trustee Munoz. Uh, I do think that that is so important for the media and for the public to see uh, when you're conducting your meetings. Also, start a dialogue with law enforcement. Uh, I think that is, is very important. You wanna have a, an opportunity to meet with law enforcement beforehand and understand what their expectations are of the school district and school board and what our expectations can be with for them. You're gonna wanna know, hey, uh, do they have an understanding of, of what they're expected to do? And do we have an expectation of what, what we would like for them to do? I've worked with a number of school boards where hey, there was an assumption that the police would come in and remove people that were being disruptive or not wearing a face covering accordingly um, or properly. And police departments had very different views on how to approach those situations from a very rational perspective, meaning that, hey, if I were to remove someone that was not quote unquote wearing a face covering properly, that means that officer now has to leave and other people that may not be wearing their face coverings, you know, are available or, or have the opportunity to disrupt your meeting. So have that type of understanding as to what those expectations are. We're gonna be talking about a progressive approach, but think about deterrence, presence, response, and enforcement. I do think that those are, are very important to, to phrase your discussions or your preparation uh, with law enforcement. And you may even want to include the district attorney in the conversation, being like, hey, what is the district attorney's views on enforcing you know, laws dedicated towards uh, or prohibiting um, the disruption of school board meetings? So I do think having those expectations up front are, are so important. 
you can also, just so people know, you can also meet with um, law enforcement in closed session. Uh, the Brown Act provides for an opportunity to meet in closed session uh, where you can consult with law enforcement. That is an option. I do want to remind everyone, though, that if you decide to use this closed session uh, sort of exception, uh, that you not only have to identify the law enforcement agency, but also the title of the officer that's going to be present. So that also sends a message to the community, um, one of which that I do think should be taken into account if you're going to place this on your agenda and have that closed session discussion. Let's talk about what goes on at the meeting and how to be proactive there. I think restating the strategic message making sure that board members follow the public comment Brown Act requirements and district policy and protocol. Most districts have adopted the CSBA model policies and board bylaws uh, that provide for 20 minutes per topic and two minutes per speaker or a variation from there. But think about publicizing that early and often. Um, prior to the pandemic, I, I was working with a number of school boards that would actually have the expectations for public comment you know, placed on uh, on the walls, on posters, or on on, on large screen televisions, um, so people could see that, and it would set their expectations. We also, it, you know, uh, recommend following the president's the board president's lead, but I do think a lot of that really depends upon developing that relationship, as I mentioned. You know, setting forth those those expectations and that trust. A lot of people refer to those as protocols. I do think it's important for school boards to get together with their, their superintendent and cabinet and have a real discussion. You know, this is, that would be under, that'd probably be like a Saturday board meeting, but I think well worth the time of going through what those expectations for uh, dealing with situations like, what if a, a speaker goes over the allotted time? Um, I think that's, that's so important to do. I also think that one last point uh, on this topic uh, is, consistently apply your policies and procedures, even in situations where you're not gonna have that controversial meeting. You wanna establish those practices, not only just for building that community trust, but also for the potential liability, right? Let's say, for example, no one would ever come to your board meetings and you would allow people to go over their time um, or not fill out the public comment card in order to speak. But hey, once that controversial subject comes up, now we're applying you know, the, um, the time limits. Now we're requiring people to, to fill out the, con the public comment card in order to speak. I think that leaves school boards vulnerable to a legal challenge, right? You know, the challenge would be, great, now you want to imply, apply these policies and procedures because you didn't previously with people that didn't look like me or didn't have my, my point of view or want to discuss you know, the item that I wanted to, to discuss. So I think it's that objective approach that is so important, again, for, for building that, that community trust, but also avoiding any liability. Well, so I think Roman, you just touched on a lot of the best practices, but I think we're really gonna reiterate them here because they are so important. And these are some of the things that we've actually seen work in school board meetings to deescalate and, you know, allow the boards to operate their meetings pretty efficiently. So first of all, for those of you who are in our listening audience, you can't see this, 
but Lozano Smith has put together this pretty cool resource. It's called Best Practices for Maintaining Decorum and Order at School Board Meetings. Um, this includes our top tips for maintaining order, and it can be obtained either by emailing Roman or I, or you can contact our client services. So we just want to make sure that everyone has that available if they want it. So, you know, Roman touched on enforcing speaker time limits. Um, I think, you know, it's really important to ensure that speakers are aware of how much time they actually have to comment. And this can be done directly on the agenda. There can be a script that the board president reads prior to starting public comment. I think Roman touched on, you know, some boards even put this up on poster boards or, you know, put it on the screens. We just want to make sure that everybody really understands the expectations. And then as Roman talked about, you know, it's really important to make sure you're actually following those limitations, you know, uniformly. Practically speaking, um, this can be done through a buzzer. Some boards use a timer that does kind of a countdown to show folks, you know, how much time they have left. I'm, I've seen some um, green light, yellow light, red light systems that work really well. So if your board isn't using one of these now, you know, it may be helpful to invest in one of these tools. As Roman also mentioned, you know, when you do this consistently, it really ensures a fair process for everyone. No one thinks that someone else is unfairly getting extra time or anything like that. And we just are being consistent and uniform. You know, it doesn't really matter who the speaker is, they're all getting treated the same. So another practical thing is to really think about the physical space of your boardroom in advance of the meeting. Think about the layout. You know, some boards have found it really helpful to arrange the space so the seats are really spread out. So the seats take up the entire room. And what that means is that you can't have a big crowd standing in the back, you know, with signs, chanting and jeering and things like that. Um, in other districts I've been in where they've had serious disruptions and the police are actually pretty involved, they've asked for a perimeter to be placed around the boardroom so that they can get to those folks you know, who are disrupting pretty quickly and easily and, you know, not have to like storm through all the chairs and participants. So, you know, it's just something to think about what makes the most sense for your particular board board meetings for your, you know, the space in your room, who's involved, you know, do you have police there? Or are they not coming? Do you have other security? Kind of just think through all of those things in advance. I and think I it's gonna, Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I'm please sorry. go ahead. When, when it comes to sort of the, the, the physical layout, I, I do think it's important for school districts and school boards to start thinking about, um, as, as will be mentioned later on, about maybe having a, a specific area for the media. That is a proactive step to take, and, and I'll, I'll discuss that later on. Sorry. Yeah, that sounds great. Thank you for that. Um, you know, I think it's also important to remember the school board's jurisdiction. So school boards are required to provide um, members of the public an opportunity to address the board on any item of interest to the public that's within the subject matter jurisdiction of the board. So the board's jurisdiction you know, isn't infinite and you can help curb disruptions by limiting comments. You know, For example, some folks wanna talk about the war in Ukraine, complain about the president or even you know, garbage pickup in the city. And those are things that the board doesn't have jurisdiction over, so they can limit those comments. So I think that it's important to keep that in mind. Although I do think you need to be somewhat careful because the jurisdiction of the board is pretty broad. And so you don't wanna limit speakers who are talking about items that 
you know, may relate to school board business. For example, you know, where it comes up a lot is where someone's criticizing a school board member, you know, maybe it's in the context of a recall and there really is that temptation to want to limit it, but really those are situations where you don't. So you just want to kind of keep the jurisdiction in mind and when you should allow it and when it should be limited. So, you know, let's talk a little bit about de-escalation techniques. You know, these are the methods, you know, we've seen work best. They aren't really those formal things outlined in the Brown Act, but they're sort of those practical approaches. Roman mentioned this, but I think it can't be said too much. The most important thing is for the board to be unified in its professionalism and courtesy. You know, they can disagree all they want on policy, but stay united and modeling, you know, promoting respect and civility towards one another and the audience, you know, because it really is the board that sets the tone for the meeting. In action, one of the things I've seen work really, really well is where we've got administrators or board members, they use their best teacher voices, right? And remind people they've got to be respectful, they've got to follow the rules. I had one particularly strong administrator, you know, in a room full of chanting individuals, all, you know, catcalling her. You know, she just stopped and said, hey, look, I'm not going to continue until the audience gives me some respect and stops talking. And then she just stood there with her arms crossed and stared at him. Almost immediately, there was silence around the room. And that was one of the, you know, the best de-escalation techniques that I've really seen. You know, I think it can also be pretty helpful to give folks another venue for their concerns. So if you say, hey, We've got a complaint process for that. Our assistant superintendent of human resources is sitting right in the front row, you know, head on over and meet with her. That can really be helpful for folks that aren't familiar with public comment. I think it's helpful to just give them the expectations. Hey, you know, you're being heard. The board is listening to you. The board can't respond to public comments, but we are listening and taking all of your comments into consideration. So now, Roman, can you turn us back to a little bit, how do we progress our response when those things don't work? Yeah, I, I think looking into, again, part of that, that theme that we've had about good governance, board members working together and being unified. I think the first step is, you know, realizing when, uh, when the board president should step in. He or she has been entrusted to basically maintain order of, of the board meeting and that that's likely in a board bylaw that gives the board president he or she the opportunity or or the authority to do that so you, you want the board president to be prepared to interject and ask and remind people to be respectful um, and maybe even set that tone at the beginning of of uh, a public comment the, the expectation is for members of the public that are, are commenting to be respectful if if you can remind people of, hey, we have a complaint process that allows for the proper investigation uh, of, of complaints that respects confidentiality and due process for our employees. Um, you wanna know when the board president is gonna be expected to, to warn people that are being disruptive. You, you'll likely have board members that have different views on any policy, especially when it comes to some of these controversial subjects that we discussed. And I do think that um, it's important to, to know when it is expected for the board president to say someone is being out of order or being disruptive and develop those scripts. Um, I will say this, this has been a difficult time for board members, especially when individuals that are sort of new to board meetings come in and they, they complain and they, they ask questions. Um, they believe that, hey, I'm gonna get up on uh, at, at the dais 
and ask a question or the podium and I'm going to ask a question to the board members, you know, like, do you believe in testing or do you believe in face covering and they don't get a response. And part of that is because, hey, this is public comment. It's not public question and answer. And I do think it's important to remind members of the public that this is comment, not a Q&A. But at the same time, I think it's so important, like you said, Chelsea, to convey that the speaker is being heard in having, you know, not only the board president, but maybe even other board members, you know, have an agreed upon statement to, to remind people they are being heard and to refer them to an administrator that is present. Uh, you also want to make sure that you have uh, create a situation to, uh, to have some breathing room, so to speak. There are times where you need to call a timeout have a break. I do think if that's part of your approach as a school board, you want to pre-plan for where board members are going to go during that break or where they should go. Um, you know, are they going to go back into the closed session room? If so, well, you got to remember the Brown Act. You cannot go back there and start having a debate. Is the board president expected to, you know, meet with the superintendent during that break or a representative from law enforcement during that break? You may want to ask the disrupting party to leave if they've been causing such a situation. I, I think it's always helpful in the sense to stress that, hey, there's other people that want to speak and you're basically taking time from them, right? Um, you know, I, I think sometimes that that's very helpful. Um, and there's also uh, sort of what we'd call sort of the final steps, right? And that would be after calling for a break, um, possibly clearing the room. Uh, and continuing the meeting. Now, I will say that this is where meeting with law enforcement beforehand helps out quite a bit. Now, the Brown Act does provide a board the authority to go ahead and have the, the, the meeting cleared. But I do think, practically speaking, um, that's a very, very difficult process to do, and one of which law enforcement may not be uh, receptive to. Um, and I do think it's also important for the board really to consider, do you really want to give people sort of that, that photo op or that media coverage of law enforcement, you know, removing people from board meetings, like numbers of people or large groups of, um, uh, of people from, from board meeting. Oftentimes that does, that does not paint a good picture for the school board going forward. There's also the opportunity or the option of adjourning the meeting. You know, I, I've been in situations where, hey, law enforcement has told the school board that, you know what, it is in your best interest to stop this meeting, to adjourn it, and to exit. One of the ways in which you can do that is by having the board members leave through a, a designed route so they can get leave the building and have a district representative, like the superintendent, in my case, unfortunately, it was the attorney, that uh, had to stay behind and uh, declare that the meeting was adjourned. Now, along this process, you know, you would declare the meeting adjourned and you prepare a notice and order of adjournment and, and post that at, at, uh, at the site of the board meeting and then also on the, on the website. But there is a process for doing so. Um, just want to make sure that our listeners know that that is an option. So, one thing to take into consideration is, as I mentioned, the Brown Act does allow the removal of individuals that are disrupting the meeting. Um, the penal code, there's a penal code section 403 that uh, makes willful disruption of a, of a board meeting a misdemeanor. Um, 
again, that goes back to prep, preparing with law enforcement. You know, are they going to enforce this? Are they going to arrest or cite someone? You know, do we want the person arrested? Um, that's that's something also to consider, uh, also too. Um, I do think that anytime you're thinking about progression over response, uh, I do think it's important to really have a practical sort of understanding of what is a disruption. I think things like threats of harm, specific and articulated threats of harm to any individual, I think that is that is a disruption. Um, speaking out of turn, you know what? I think that there's a gradual you know buildup towards ruling that someone is is uh, speaking out of turn and is becoming willfully disruptive to your board meeting. One of the things that we're often asked is if not wearing a face covering, was that a, uh, is that a willful disruption? Um, and I think that that's also a question that you need to discuss, not only as a board, but with also law enforcement. I don't know, Chelsea, if you've had any uh, uh, sort of discussions with, with clients you've worked with on whether or not wearing a face covering was a willful disruption in a, in a grounds for um, having that person removed. Yeah, you know, I had a lot of clients grappling with it. And I think it was also important to see where your local district attorney stood on it, because some folks, some of those folks said, hey, this is not a disruption. They're simply exercising civil disobedience and removing their masks. Um, I had a lot of districts approach it by just not allowing anyone to enter the building that wasn't wearing a mask. Now, obviously, they could remove it later, but that seemed to work. And hopefully we'll stay in this situation where, you know, masks are fairly optional for most districts for a while. So we won't have to address that anytime soon. No, definitely. And then sort of uh, one of the last phases of the progression of the response is clearing the room. Now, the Brown Act does at uh, government code section 54957.9, it does allow, as I mentioned, for um, clearing the room and then also has this phrase that the members of the legislative body conducting the meeting may order the meeting room cleared and continue in session. Now, that's that's interesting phrasing. Uh, I know that there may be different views on this, but I do think clearing the room with a very disruptive crowd would be very difficult. Again, that coordination with law enforcement. But I've seen this 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 part of the statute be interpreted as, hey, as a school board, we can move into uh, sort of the location maybe where we've had closed session and move there in order to continue conducting our meeting, uh, provided, hey, that is uh, in, in roughly the same location as where your school, school board meeting has been, the open session has been taken. Now, I do think it's, it's important to note that the statute also says that members of the media um, would be allowed to observe this part of the school board meeting where, hey, we've, we've gone into a, uh, an executive session, so to speak, uh, the public's not there, but we're allowed or we're required to have the media present. I will say this, that remember when we were talking about the physical space, we talked about cording off or identifying where the media are, are located. The reason for that is, hey, how do you define who the media is nowadays, right? I, I would say that, hey, I've seen situations where someone with a selfie stick and an iPhone recording your board meeting and uh, live streaming it on like Facebook and com commenting on your, your school board meeting, that person would say that they are a member of the media. So I do think it's 
it's in, in any school board's benefit of actually identifying who's identifying themselves as or, or recognizing who's identifying themselves as the media early on by having that, that sort of special section for the media. And then also thinking about, well, if we go into this executive session after quote unquote clearing the room or, or moving into another location, hey, is this individual going to be entering? Now, I wanna stress that if anyone who has been causing the disruption, even members of the media, if they were causing the disruption, they don't have a right to come in into that, that, that executive session um, because of the, because the, the, the meeting's been disrupted. So Roman, do you recommend having someone check the media into that special area or how do you approach that? You know, part of it is um, really sort of, you know, speaking with them, asking them, you know, hey, what media outlet are they with? Um, you know, kind of getting, getting some background on them for just the simple sense of saying, or keeping track of, hey, who is, who are part of the media in case that there is a disruption, we can always follow up with them. So yeah, I, I like the idea of checking in with them, um, identifying who they are, maybe even identifying their, their press credentials. Mm -hmm. um, because if something does go sideways, um, we can always have that, that information available to maybe even just follow up with them as to, hey, what, what are our next steps moving forward? And what would be the next steps? Well, uh, you know, as far as saying, if we had to adjourn our meeting, when the next meeting will be conducted and what business would be conducted, um, you know, what factors went into why we adjourned our meeting, you know, maybe notifying the, uh, uh, the media in conjunction with law enforcement that, hey, this was law enforcement's suggestion that we had to adjourn our meeting or why the school board went back into sort of uh, that, uh, that executive session to conduct its business. Um, I, I do think it's, it's important to keep the community informed and oftentimes our, our partners are, is the media. So Chelsea, what are, you, what are your thoughts on uh, the major takeaways that, uh, uh, for our podcast today? Yeah, well, thanks everyone for joining us. Uh, we hope that this has been a little bit helpful and just kind of some bullets to keep in mind when you're approaching this, you know, it's really important to plan in advance, you know, just thinking through all the potential issues and outcomes and making sure, you know, you know what's going to happen if you plan for the worst and hope for the best, right? And I think that that really applies here. Keep in mind that your responses should really be progressive. You know, we don't want to go to the harshest response immediately. We want to set our expectations, let everyone know what's going on, you know, what's going to happen if these kind of outbursts continue, and then just follow along that trajectory. Um, we really want to tailor our responses to the level of disruption, right? And that's just reiterating those expectations and create breathing room. Remember that the board is setting the tone here. So the board needs to be civil and respectful. Let people finish their sentences, you know, create that sense of professionalism and calm in the room and really project that out. Do you have anything else you'd like to add, Roman? No, I think, uh, I think those are definitely the big takeaways here. If, if I did have anything to offer, I, I do think it's, hey, that good board governance and establishing protocols. And, and remember, you are a governance team um, working with your superintendent and the superintendent's cabinet. All right. Well, thanks, everyone. 
Well, as you heard from Roman and Chelsea, messaging and communication about the rules governing the school board meeting are extremely important for members to find unity and common ground on. And it's important that these rules and techniques are carried out consistently in order to be effective. In order to conduct them consistently, you kind of have to have agreement and know what they are and know what those contingency plans might look like. So right now, um, as of the date of this recording in mid-April 2022, probably is a really good time, pandemic-wise at least, uh, to work on these rules and techniques and find agreement on uh, what this is going to look like now um, before further and future controversy arises. And also, it'd be good to work on them now to make sure that you're able to communicate them clearly when you have new school board members that might be joining your board come this November and December. Well, as always seems to be the case these days, our educational agencies will need to be ready for change and controversy. And the best way to do that is to sign up for our firm's client news briefs and listen to the Lozana Smith podcast. We encourage you to visit our podcast page at lozanasmith.com forward slash podcast to find links and additional details on the topic we discussed today. Additionally, uh, please subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode. For Roman, Chelsea, and myself and all of us at Lozano Smith, have a wonderful day. Take care. If you have any questions about this topic, please contact the hosts of this episode or an attorney at any of our eight offices throughout California. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. As the information contained in this podcast is necessarily general, its application to a particular set of facts and circumstances may vary. For this reason, this podcast does not constitute legal advice. We recommend that you consult with your counsel prior to acting on the information you heard.